I don't even know how I have 40 followers on Twitter, to be honest with you. We're talking sports. I got two. Oh, you have two now. With a couple of guys you've never even heard of. I don't really understand it. It's, It's crazy. It's Moving the Goalposts. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and tell a friend. Moving the Goalposts wherever you listen. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Moving the Goalposts. I'm your host, Nick Mara, joined by my co-host, Mike Masala. Mike, how are you now? I'm doing well, brother. How are you? Not so bad. You can check us out on social media. I'm available at NickMara94 on Twitter. Mike is available at Mike underscore Masala. We're also here with producer extraordinaire Andrew Meehan. Meehan, what's up? Victory Monday. Can't complain Victory about Monday, that. Indeed. You know, how we doing? We're in the new, first episode of the new year. Yeah, and I think last year we debuted Third Man In as our like change to the show, and now we've basically made it a permanent change. So who knows, whatever we do in the next couple of episodes may just end up being the future of this podcast. Probably not. We'll change things up. We'll figure it out. <laughs> That's what it's all about, right? Is changing things, having variety, constantly shifting, moving the goalposts, as we say. Adapt. Yes. Reduce, reuse, uh, recycle. Victory Monday, like you said, me and the Patriots improved to 10 and 6 with a demolishing performance or dominating performance, I would really say. Fit over it. the Jacksonville Jaguars, 50 to 10. This is the second game this year that the Patriots have scored 50 points. I don't remember if they said that was the f- first time in a Belichick season that the Patriots have scored more than 50 points in, in two games. Um, but because I can't remember, I don't know if they ever did it in 2007, but it seems as though New England took care of business yesterday against the Jaguars. Not a whole lot that I think we're going to be able to pick apart from the game, but, uh, Mike, just based on what you saw, what your expectations were for, for this game, for this matchup, how do you think the Patriots look coming out of it? Yeah. I mean, we had this kind of same idea going into the Jets game earlier in the year where it was a, a team that was clearly an, an inferior opponent uh, and style points count. And if you are able to put up 50 um, with uh, some great running from both Harris, Stevenson, you get the new fourth wide receiver. Goodbye, Nikhil Harry. Hello, Christian Wilkerson. Uh, they, they were able to do everything that they were asked Um there's not like a whole lot you can take away because I do think the performance from the Jaguars was really, really bad. And Trevor Lawrence is a a lost cause for his rookie season. I wouldn't say it's all over yet, but this has been one of the uh, least exciting rookie seasons of a first overall pick quarterback that I can remember. Um, So I, I think there's not a whole lot you can take, but they they, they did, did what they were supposed to do, and they came out with a win. And, again, putting up 50 points is impressive no matter who you do it against. Mian, what about you? Uh, quick thing, 07, they did have two games where they put up uh, 50 points. I'm going to guess one of them was against Washington. Yep. And then I'm going to say that the other one was against... Cincinnati? Incorrect. Think divisional. Buffalo. Buffalo. Yeah. yeah. So it can't be... I thought, for some reason, I thought that the Cleveland game got up to 50. It wasn't. It was 45. 
And uh, actually, they were at one point away from having three and 07, 49 to 28 against the Dolphins. Yeah, but um, was the game in Miami where they were celebrating the Red Sox almost winning the World Series. They hadn't yeah. won the World Series yet, <laughs> but they were they were chanting "Let's go Red Sox" at a Patriots Dolphins game in Miami. Lot Those of, were the days. Hey, a lot of Red Sox fans down in uh down in Florida. Um, but yeah, not a whole lot of value to take away from this. This is a team that you should drop a deuce on you should drop 50 points on this team really should have been 52 well you know special teams uh errors here and there uh but yeah i mean it's it's a team that you should you're highly better than this team there's a lot you know i think you know we were all kind of thinking this is a you know you could you could drop one against the colts you might lose against the bills i think you're just as good of a team could be good of a team as either of those guys but we Apparently, it took uh, two wake-up calls. I think for the past month or so, we might have had a case of probolitis, and that's all we're kind of really worried about with a lot of the players. And you know, we might we might be getting a little full of ourselves, and you know, things are fa- things are more so falling in our direction than us actually. You earned it. You went on a seven and zero run. You beat good teams on the road, especially. You know, it's not like they were all give me's at home. You know, going into L.A., that's a talented team to beat. Uh, the Chargers, I should say. So, uh, you know, I heard the term going around, it's a get-right game. That's a get-right game if there ever friggin' was one. So, you took advantage, you're on a high note, you're, you know, you're in. Miami lost yesterday, they played a good team against Tennessee, heard they didn't have a good day. But, now you're going into week 17, or Jesus, week 18, um, on a good note, you know, against a team that really isn't playing for anything. So, still one you could lose. Not saying you're gonna lose it. I don't think you should lose this one, but it's a get right game. It's it's a good it's a good one. It's good uh, good to get back on track. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think that anybody going into the game against Jacksonville that was expecting it to be a close game probably was hoping for something that wasn't really going to exist. I mean, yeah, the way the game started didn't really feel like it was going to be one of these forty point fifty point blowout wins. But once they got going, and I think really once they determined that they didn't have to run Damian Harris anymore and they they started using Stevenson as their primary back, things just took off. And Mike, you mentioned the play of Christian Wilkerson. If there's going to be a, a, a good takeaway from this game, I think it is the play of Wilkerson. Now, the second touchdown that he scored strictly had to do with him being wide open. But I don't know if Nikhil Harry catches a wide open pass. It's the first touch in the first touch. No, really. It sucks to say that that's up in the air. (laughs) The first touchdown that he gets, he recognizes that he's got some extra time. Mac is scrambling a little bit. His first read wasn't there. He continues to, you know, go to the back of the end zone, stays in bounds and does a really good job of making the catch and making the play. And then he was able to impact the game in other areas as well. So it wasn't like he just had these two shot plays that, you know, came out of nowhere. This is a kid that's been on the roster pretty much. Well, not the roster, but he's been on the practice squad since I think the beginning of the season. Yeah. Um, And he's done, in my opinion, a really good job of figuring out what his role was in this game. And he performed it to a T. Yeah. yeah you've got a guy who has now proven himself to be a good third wide receiver against one of the worst teams in the league. Now you just have to do it like going forward 
thanks for giving him a lot of credit. I mean, it's it it was a good game. He should have had three touchdowns if he didn't drop the one over his over his shoulder. Sure. Um, and I think it's our like. I get the whole Nikhil Harry thing, but like that performance alone is better than what Harry's done his entire career so far. So I remember listening on the broadcast. Yeah, I remember listening on the broadcast, me and I don't know if you picked up on this, but they were talking about Jacoby Myers and they were saying how Jacoby Myers made it known that when he was making his decision as an undrafted free agent, he wanted to go to a team that selected a receiver in the first round because he wanted to prove that he was just as good, if not better than a first round talent. Now, I think he made the right decision in choosing Nikhil Harry over Marquise Brown because there were only two receivers that went in the first round that year. Mm-hmm. But does this kind of go back to the idea of you can get playmakers, maybe not for a career? I don't think Wilkerson's going to really stick around past this season, maybe not even past this regular season. Who knows if he's going to get on the field in the playoffs? But you can get guys to perform roles as long as they do one or two things well on a weekly basis. Do you really need to have a, a third receiver that's consistently the same guy, or could you just find guys that you can kind of plug in here and there? Well, I mean, you know, so you brought Jacoby and Nikhil in, in the same year in 2019. You know, Nikhil was hurt and everything, and uh, you essentially had a undrafted guy performing better in bigger moments and getting more out of it than your first round pick. And that's been the, and that's been trending up ever since that. Like I knew that from the beginning, we haven't, we have an undrafted guy performing better than your first round pick going back to Wilkerson to Nikhil. It comes down to effort. I see more effort in Wilkerson's routes than I do from Nikhil. Now that drop that he had yesterday where it was over his shoulder brought me back to uh, the first wasn't our first preseason game against Washington at home, right? That was the first game of the year. First game, first preseason yes, right. game of the year. Was it Wilkerson that dropped that pass? In the yeah, and he was he was even more wide open on that on that play. In like preseason alone, okay, but you have a guy in Wilkerson who's trying to build a rapport and get on this team with you know with Mac. He was playing most of his snaps with Mac, if I'm if I'm uh, correct. On that play, you know, does Nikhil even? You know, is that is that defender trailing Nikhil by a couple of yards? I don't think so. I don't even think Nikhil hasn't beat on that. We we saw it we saw it in the Bills. I think they tried to run the same play with him, and you know, I think it just bounced off his chest. No, that was the that was a slant route. Um, that got picked off. It comes down to effort. I see more effort from Wilkerson. Put him out there. Like, yeah, he should have had it, but does Nikhil even have two touchdowns before he could have dropped a ball like that? I don't think yeah, so. I think- there's definitely this attitude that I think is associated with Nikhil Harry being a first round pick and the the whole like trade request that he had during the off season through his agent that he wanted to be in a situation that was going to be more towards his strengths, which are, are not the things that a Patriots uh, receiver or that the Patriots look for in a receiver, which is mostly yeah. quickness, getting in and out of routes just finding a way to get open. Nikhil Harry has made some nice plays in his career. He's made some good catches. He's not a, he's not a, uh, he's not a healthy scratch. He's a guy who should be on the field on Sundays in the right situation. The problem is I think he just wants to be an inside the twenties guy. Yeah. 
And the majority of the work that needs to be done is between the 20s. You know, if you're just going to work in the red zone, then you're not going to be drafted in the first round. You're yeah. not going to be yeah. a primary receiver. You're not going to get all of that. So, But even in the red zone, how well is he done? Like that's Not great. Right. So we are trying, the Patriots are really using him to his strengths. You know, you heard before the, you know, during the draft and when we drafted this guy, he's a guy who, you know, can throw the ball up there and he can catch the, you know, 50 50 ball and fight, you know, for it and all that stuff. Last two games where I saw where they're going downfield and they're hitting him with him. Yeah. One was on a, was it the flea, fic- flea flicker or it was some trick play? Like, okay. Yeah, that's good. You catch that ball. But just when it's a regular, just you're running a fade and you got a guy with you. Like, you should be able to beat him. You're a big, strong guy. You're not fast, but if it's up there, you should come down with it. And I don't think we've seen that enough from him. Like, there are just too many times where I see we're running down the field with him. Mac puts it up, or whoever puts it up there, and he's not coming down with it. That's playing to his strengths, and he's not even able to do that. I remember, I think it was either the Globe or the Herald. They were interviewing, I think, going into this season. Yeah, Nick, we talked about I think I actually talked about this with you. Going into the season, they were asking him, do you feel any pressure? This is your third year, your first round. And he's like, no, I don't. you should. You should feel pressure. You have not lived up to it at all. You guys, again, you have undrafted guys living up to your expectations. And they're undrafted. You're a first-round pick, and you're not living up to what they drafted you for. You should feel pressure. I would, like, if I were one of their coaches, if I were the wide, if I were Troy Brown, I'd say, are you nuts? You don't feel pressure. You've sucked. You got a lot to li- You got a lot to work towards. Interesting that you mentioned that name, Troy Brown. I haven't heard him brought up in any football discussion in maybe three months. I don't know. That's probably a good thing. Yeah. Right? It means the receivers are probably doing their job without having to, you know, like be at the forefront of what may or may not be wrong with the team. You've gone, just, you've gone by with what you have. Think about. You've gone by with what you have. I know Aguilar has not been great he's been out for the past two games i know he's not been great before that though born i think you got a lot to do you know you get a lot there myers you know what you got in him I, he's developing into a nice slot um uh a nice a nice choice to have in the slot you know i think if you just nail that guy in the draft or in in uh in the offseason if you just nail a guy to get on the outside and open things up that could open up things for whoever's in your in the slot or on the other side you know lining up opposite it's you, know, you get that one guy, I think you really open it up. It's like the it's like the Celtics. Question. You're always one player away. <laughs> Question for the panel. Mike, you go first. Because New England was playing Jacksonville, Jacksonville's probably going to get the first overall pick for the second consecutive season. Um, I like playing this game only because there's never really going to be an answer. What if the Patriots had Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars had Mac Jones, not necessarily focusing on what the Jaguars would have accomplished this season, but where do you think New England's offense would be if they were able to get a rookie quarterback to the level of Trevor Lawrence? Uh, I do think he's like has the raw talent to be a really good quarterback. Um, and I think if he was coached by Bill Belichick and not whatever the hell Urban Meyer was for the first. 14 weeks of the season. Grab it ass. I think it would have made a big difference, but I, I do think Mac Jones's like uh, personality and maybe coachability make it a little bit easier for them to gel. So I, I don't necessarily think they would have the, uh, the record that they do right now. 
Um, but I don't think they would be as bad as what Jacksonville has been with them so far. Man, Trevor Lawrence makes this team better or worse or about the same. I think about the same, you know, I definitely want to give credit to Mac for what he's been able to do. You know, you, you should be pumped. You got your rookie quarterback, 23, who's, you know, double digit wins and he's going, going to the playoffs. That's great. Um, there's no question that Lawrence probably has more athletic ability. And that just really means, I think, you know, we saw yesterday, if, you know, you could let him, you know, if you let him out of the pocket, kind of looked like Josh Allen getting out of there. Maybe not as big of a body, but, you know, he's kind of got that long stride, can quickly, you know, run to the sticks and pick up a first down. And you might be able to do some things more mobile with him. But in terms of passing and everything, I think, you know, it'd probably be this, and that's actually more in the coaching. Maybe they res- they restrict Lawrence just as much as they restricted Mac. That could be with any any quarterback. You, I think just you might be able to do a couple of things differently uh, mobility-wise. So about Which the same. I think, I think that's exactly what would happen, too, is they would they would limit Lawrence knowing that he has more potential. You know, the, the first four games of the season for Mac Jones were – very much in the the pattern of let's not have him try to do too much. Let's just have him manage the game. And that was something that you didn't really see out of the other rookie quarterbacks this year. They were thrust into situations where they had to make plays. They had to be the difference. And Trevor Lawrence lost Travis Etienne before the season even started. DJ Chark within like the first couple of months. Uh, he's playing with the corpse of Marvin Jones now. I think that Jacksonville had talent. I didn't know what to expect out of the group of pass catchers that New England was bringing in with Aguilar, Bourne, uh, Henry, and Smith. I don't know if having Trevor Lawrence as the quarterback, those guys would be elevated much more than what they've already been able to do. But I do think that you would have the ability to open up the offense a little bit more with variety. You know, there, there have been things that Mac Jones can't do in the red zone yeah. that you were able to do with Cam Newton last year in the red zone that allowed you to score touchdowns. And that was one of the things that you were struggling with early on was red zone offense. I think having a guy like Trevor Lawrence, where if he's got the ball, if he hands the ball off, he could throw the ball. It, like it's just that dynamic, that unpredictability, that ability to improvise that I think gets you to the next level. Maybe you wouldn't be able to take advantage of it this year, but you know, I, I I just wish that they had Trevor Lawrence. I really do. I I still look at that, that damn first win against the jets last year as the moment where they really could have gone in the tank and gotten Trevor Lawrence, but that's, that's just, I don't know about that, but you know, I look at a team like Jacksonville and actually, I look at I look at us like I look at us right now. And the more I think about it, like I I I honestly do think we were building this team for a rookie quarterback. We're getting experience, and not just the you know maybe just focusing on the offense right now. We've got a good running back in Damian Harris. Myers is really our only solid receiver, our only really productive receiver. Now, like I know Nikhil is still around and all that stuff, but you're getting what you can out of him. Oh, you're talking about guys that they didn't bring in as free agents. No, that they did. Yeah, like guys that they brought in as free agents, guys that they drafted. I would say Bourne has been a more productive receiver than Myers this year. 
Right, but you're getting solid. You're getting a lot more production out of this offense than he did last year, and that's just a talent thing. But yeah. the point is, is the the talent and the, and the experience, not even just the talent, the experience that they brought in. You know, bringing back Trent Brown. I know he hasn't been a whole lot. Just the moves. I think that's what Jacksonville needs to do with Lawrence, or else he's going to want out of there quicker than I don't know Urban Meyer slapping some girl on the ass at his own bar. But you know, so I think if I'm correct, they're going to have more than two picks in the first round, right? And I'm talking about Jacksonville. Are they geared up yeah, to have the number have, one? I... Are they geared up to have another uh, first rounder or a uh, number one pick in the first round? Yeah, they're probably going to have the first overall pick. Trader. I don't know if they have multiple first round picks though. I'm not. I'm not looking to go really draft heavy. I'm really not. I'm looking on on offense at least. I'm looking to bring in free agents who are the best free agents out there, and let's load up experience around Lawrence. That might even be better just because of the game experience that he's had now. But that's what I mean. I'm not really looking to go draft heavy in the offense this year. I'm looking to bring in experience. That's what I'm looking to do with a guy like Lawrence to salvage it. Not even just bring, you know, and I think, you know, it's, I don't know who they're going to bring in as their coach and their candidate and everything, but I'm looking to go more experienced to surround Lawrence than going young in the draft. That's what I'm doing. I think if Jacksonville wants to be creative, assuming they get the number one overall pick, they can, they could put a serious team around Trevor Lawrence to like immediately because I also like their defense a lot. That game against the Buffalo Bills is, as much as it might have been a flash in the pan, there could be some consistency. Josh Allen is is a great pass rusher. Um, but talking about the Patriots, getting back to the Patriots, now that they're in the playoffs, we just have seeding that needs to be determined. There's one final matchup to end the regular season, and that's against the 8-8 eight and eight Miami Dolphins. And, and thankfully, we have our Dolphins expert, Mike Mastala, on the podcast the fin so miami's eliminated because what tiebreakers uh yeah so they they're a loss yesterday uh they would have needed the chargers to win to stay alive and the chargers did not win because i'm uh, looking at baltimore baltimore is eight and eight and they're not eliminated yet i don't think it has anything to do with their division because cincinnati has already clinched the afc north Right, I th- I think it would it would be just tiebreaker related, which is it which is interesting because they have the head to head over Baltimore straight up anyway. Mm. Well, Miami has had been on a hot streak. They had won seven straight games, eight straight games, something like that, after uh, going in the toilet through the the middle of the year. But now that the Dolphins don't, I'll say this very very loosely, don't have anything to play for. What type of a game do you expect Sunday to be? I wrote this yesterday uh, as like a, a short preview, but more of like what, yeah, what what they have going for them. This is they, they need to figure out what they have in their quarterback, and they need to figure it out like in the next game because you really only have one more shot before the firestorm opens up again, where somebody everybody's going to be questioning whether or not who was that guy his game yesterday and it wasn't the rain but both teams played in the rain and one team played significantly better in the rain that was one of the worst quarterback performances i've seen in a while like just complete overthrows underthrows 
He fumbled three times, interception. Like it, it was a bad game all, all around. So I think they are going to try to uh, to throw the ball here. Um, they've also become better running the ball in recent weeks since they brought in Duke Johnson and Phillip Lindsay. So I think they can do a little bit but also have the ability to play a little bit of spoiler for the Patriots because like, I think if there are three games that matter this weekend for the Patriots, if they lose and two other games break their uh, against them, um, they end up being the sevens. So it, it they could end up affecting uh, the the Patriots playoff chances or their playoff matchups. Um, so there is there is something to play for there, but I, I do think they're they're going to try to to play hard and play for their quarterback. If if they if two is the leader that people say he is and that people want to play for him, like everybody says they do. Uh, I think that you're going to get a pretty hard fought effort this week. Me and I know, cause we've been talking about it for the last couple of episodes, last couple of weeks, you are more afraid of Miami, the destination than Miami, the actual team. Is like- that still ringing true for week 18? Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I, I think we've seen ourselves. We've seen the new England shoot themselves in the foot. More times than they really should, more times than they should have. Not that you ever want to shoot yourself shoot yourself in the foot, but it, you know, go look on our Instagram page. You know, it's there. Fear ourselves. What FDR said. <laughs> maybe I should. Maybe I should use my computer. Way. Maybe I should use my computer in, in front of me next time and actually look up the friggin' quote. But uh, <laughs> it's no. But like, I do fear the Patriots and themselves more than I do Miami. I wasn't too high on Miami and their their win streak. It's good. I think I think in their own definitely in their own ways they're two very different teams than when they met in week 1. I think New England is a better team. I think they should be a better team. This is a team that New England should beat. But again, I've just seen this way too many times, you know, whether it's coming out flat or you know, just not starting off on a good play call series, you know, for McDaniels. It's it's just too many times we've gone on our own way, so that's my biggest concern going down to Miami. Plus, that's just the his, you know, it's the history of it. Whether it's you know Tom Brady with us tomorrow or whoever, we've just sucked in Miami. Um, but again, it's Miami was just not a team that I was high on. I just I look at their schedule and that win streak. You know, I don't see any tough teams that they're beating. I ex- I didn't expect Tennessee to blow their do- their doors off. What was the score? 35, 34 to. 34 to 3. 34 to 3. I wasn't really expecting that. I thought Miami actually would have made it some game of it. But, you know, Tennessee is a good team. Tennessee is a good team. And I don't really think they were actually. Uh, I don't think there were any really pieces that were different between the team that they are right now and when they played New England, except for. Uh, uh, AJ Brown. AJ Brown. Healthy for this game. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really the only difference. I mean, Julio. Uh, Julio is not active when he played us. He was. Not, I think he's back on IR. Is that what it is, or is he on the COVID list? He's on the COVID list. He's on the COVID list. But still, I don't think he's been that big of a factor at all this year for the Titans. So they played a really good team this week, and it really showed. Um, but you know, <laughs> nothing would surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me yesterday if the if the Pats only won friggin' <clears throat> twenty-seven to ten yesterday. Just because I don't know, you're just doing whatever you can to get out with a win. That's Still how it covered the spread. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, but like it's you know just close or like twenty-seven to fourteen or whatever. 
just getting that win. Um, so it's, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I wasn't really high on Miami, but do you, do you think that, so this seemed like they started with Harris in the Jacksonville game for running. And then they moved to Stevenson really halfway through like the second quarter. Yeah. Get him some rest. Do you think that's going to be similar in the Miami game? Cause Miami, I don't think has a very good run defense either. No, I mean, you know, Mike said it. We, uh, Miami led up 200 yards against, uh, well, like 198. We'll round up uh, against against Tennessee. We had 181 yesterday between Stevenson and uh, and Harris. Now Harris, I guess, which I was kind of surprised because you wouldn't it wouldn't have been able to even tell. Uh, you know, the sideline reporter said, "Oh, Harris is questionable with a uh, with a hamstring," which at that point, like, without cares, game's over. You know, he was asked about it after the game. He was fine. You know, is this a game where you might try to come out with Stevenson first? It's not. This is nice. It's like Harris and Stevenson are like a perfect one-two punch. You know, Harris has I think is a little a little bit more shifty, but Stevenson has that bulldozer type mentality. But they're both able to get dirty yards after each of their runs. So this should be a good day for uh, for Harris and Stevenson. And also, we haven't even mentioned it. This game's been flexed. It's a 425 game now. So what does the league see in that to like well, I guess we could talk about it later. But uh my my question is what does the league see that it could that it might be flexed to a four o'clock game? I'm a little nervous about the future of Damian Harris because he seems to never be able to finish a game healthy. Oh, one that's no, true. One hundred percent. He yeah. hasn't had a healthy season yet. He's he is going to be another one of these guys that you have on a rookie contract. Maybe you bring him back on a second deal, but anything after five or six years, he's going to be toast. Right. So now the guy that Brandon Bolden's outlasted. It's crazy. Brandon Bolden. Yeah, it's because he gets 15 carries a season. He had a great game yesterday. <laughs> he did have a good game. He did have a good game. And I was very close to sending out a tweet uh, giving you credit because he he's not a great player, but he does things well enough to help the team. I think he's something. I think they said it on the broadcast. He's like third in the league in yards after catch. He's yeah. he's he's solid. I think he's averaging ten yards after catch. I will. I will say he has been a nice. He he's been a good substitute as to losing White. When you lost White, that's like you lost your best third down back. You lost your best guy out of the backfield passing. Bolden's done it. Credit where credit is due. He's done a great job as substituting to that type of role because that's what we've seen from White. In so many clutch moments, and at so many important time, uh, at so many clutch moments, yeah, throughout the seasons that we've had him, that's a the, those are big shoes to fill. Those are big shoes to fill as a running back. Yeah, I mean that entire role for the last twenty years has been a huge one for the Patriots, going back to Kevin Falk and Danny Woodhead, Shane Vereen, even uh, all those guys have been key pieces to the offense. And I think if the Patriots want to keep having success with Mac Jones. Maybe they should look to get a James Whiteish type player. Uh, maybe it doesn't have yeah. to be in the draft. It's another guy that you could probably get off the street. But and, and you've seen knows. some good things out of the backfield too from Stevenson and Harris. They both have the ability to do it. Which you know, you go back to your last running back that you drafted in the first round, Sony Michelle. You right. didn't have that. He don't get me wrong, great you know, great at running the ball, but you couldn't get you know the best of both worlds. Come on, come on! I saw that look. Yeah, but, <laughs> but great at running the ball. What did he do well? Run the ball. 
No, 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 no. What did what he do? What did he do well? Was he fast? No, he has no, he has was no he good big? skills. Was he, was he just strong? He was, was he just quick? There. Was he agile? All right, 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 whatever. But... <laughs> week 16, uh, ground player of the game voting for, for last week was uh, Sony Michelle, Rex Burkhead, and Damian Harris, which was pretty cool. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you don't win a Super Bowl without Sony Michelle, but... However, or Rex Burkhead, you're right. Or Rex, no, yeah, I, I won't argue with you, but um, Tom Brady. You know that is we're, a, we're going down a rabbit hole now. Oh God, but um, we are. That is a that's a great point to bring up is Harris not being able because he was out for what he was out for the Cleveland game, right? That was the only game I think he's missed so far this season. He had the he injured the hamstring against Buffalo. Mm. Was he out against the Colts then the following week? And no, then he had the bye week to recover. I think he missed two consecutive weeks with a hamstring injury. No, he was there. We had the bye week, and then we played the Colts. So we actually had a week of rest. He was oh, ready okay. to get yeah. back in. That's right. That's right. But yeah. it's nice. So I'm looking at, you know, you got Ramondre on his rookie deal. So that's four years. You got him around for four years. If you get what you're getting out of him and even more, um, depending on how long you have Harris for, what's Harris's contract? Just to see, like, where you have wiggle room to He's probably got one year after this one year left yeah does he have one year mm-hmm. yeah which again like if you can get him on to like a two or a three year contract and see if he yeah. lasts great he's not going to be a guy that's making 15 million dollars a year that's for sure it's a no con- team in their right mind should give him i wouldn't if i were if i had unlimited money and damian harris was a free agent after this season or let's even assume after next season and he puts up better numbers in 2022 I'm not giving him a, a like a number one running back contract. I'm still looking at him as like a one A one B. Yeah, because yeah. of the injury history and because I don't trust him to last an entire season, let alone the entirety of the contract. Right. Yeah, maybe next year is his last year then. Because just like look at how many running backs we've gone through in the draft, especially. I mean, yeah, like you can argue not not going to argue whether Sony is a first rounder and all that stuff, but if it's one position that Belichick has drafted in in the last couple of years, four or five years, where we have taken a running back. He's drafting well with running backs. You got you clearly have, you know, you can get just as much out of Stevenson as you can out of Harris. That's evident. So who knows? It's like it's like could you ex- would you want to extend him this year because he's I know he's tied for second in touch rushing touchdowns. Harris is. Um, he hasn't broken a thousand yards. But I think he has like I think he's on the cusp of nine hundred at this point. He's at I think eight ninety two. Eight ninety two. All right. So yeah, he'll definitely definitely get over nine hundred. That's no no question. But yeah, it's do you just keep him next year and see what happens, or is it like is this his contract year? Is next year his contract year? You know, do you extend him? Do you just wait and you know see what happens after next season? But it's nice you get another year of potential Harrison Stevenson, which is a great you know just one two you know one two punch. All right. Moving on. Now I now's now that we're finally here, kind of kind of here. Postseason. Right now, if the playoffs were to start, the Patriots would be at Buffalo. England's the five seed, Buffalo's the four seed. I don't think that the seedings are going to stay the exact same, but you do have three division winners in Tennessee, Kansas City, and Cincinnati. So unless the Patriots finish with a number one seed. They're probably going to be playing either Kansas City, Cincinnati, or Buffalo in the first week of the playoffs. Of those three teams, 
who do you want to play the most? Who do you want to play the least? Mike. Are we taking injury into consideration with Joe Burrow? Ye- sure. I think if if Joe Burrow looks hurt in this upcoming week, they said he tweaked his knee. We're not really sure what it what it looks like yet. Um, I think it would be Cincinnati. Uh, if not, I think it might actually be the Chiefs. <laughs> I, I I am still really? afraid of Buffalo. I, I I don't think this team can beat Buffalo in like a, a full on game. What do you think, Andrew? I kind of want Buffalo. <laughs> I mean, shouldn't you kind of, if you're like, you've split it with them. The di- Honestly, you know, the division is, I'm not ruling out the division, especially what I saw from the Jets this week. I'm not ruling that out just yet. And a lot of crazy crap has happened around the league this whole year. So I won't, I'm not saying it might happen. It'd be a miracle, but I'm not ruling it out. Um, so a lot could still happen next week. But yeah, are, aren't you still just a little worried? Like, are, if you're the Bills after beating them at Gillette, don't you kind of have that in their head? You know, don't you have that little thought in your head like, oh, yeah, no, we're going to – division's ours. You know, we're going to – that's it. Like, we got – you know, they thought we were dead. Now they're dead. They're back to where they are. Screw if they're in the playoffs. Don't you just have that little thought in the back of your head like, shit, we might have to play them. Yeah, it might be at Buffalo, but we still have to play them. Like uh, that, it's that, yeah, that's got to irritate them a little bit. It's literally the we are Buffalo, they are New England. Yeah, and there's something ingrained in both of our cultures that means we will lose to them again. I I, I kind of agree with Mike in saying that the Bills are probably the worst of the matchups. I think Kansas City has the potential to be the most dangerous because you haven't seen them and you've struggled against them in the past somewhat. You've, you At least you've played competitive games with them in the past. Co- Coaching-wise, I mean, Jesus, look at last year. Um, Coaching-wise, I think they would be able to scheme it up where you can hang with them. You've been able to hang with teams, you know, like the Cowboys and the Bucks, and you, you can. I, th- I don't think it'll be a freaking blowout, but you can at least hang with them. The thing that I like about playing Buffalo a third time, not that you lost to them twice, and this is going to be another one of those situations where it's tough to beat a team three times in one year, but I think you will have played them so much in such a short period of time that you have to be able to... If we're going to truly believe that Bill Belichick is as good as he is and that we made the decision to keep him around instead of the player because he was going to be able to maintain the organizational success based on his abilities... He has to beat Sean McDermott in the playoffs. You cannot lose that game. As much as it was like a must win against the Bills in the second regular season game to win the division and whatnot, like this is now all the marbles are on the table or whatever saying you want to use. Yeah. You have to win that game. I think, I honestly, I really think they could. I really think they could. I don't think it would be. If you lose, I do not think it would be what it was a week ago. I don't think you lose that bad. I don't think you completely embarrass yourself. I tr- so, I, I I would put my I put my money down on the table to McDermott and Allen and all them crapping themselves more than. I just think they I think they would be able to, what from what they know from both games they be they would be able to scheme it up well enough where they do not lose as bad as they did in week seventeen sixteen. Do you think, though, that 
Do you think the Bills are an easier matchup for the Patriots than the Chiefs? That's tough because it's like it's a division. You know, who do you know more about? Um, again, you've seen the Bills more. I, I would have to say, by default, if that makes sense, it's the Bills because you know more about them now. Kansas City's on a bit of a hot streak. That was a crazy game between them and the Bengals yesterday, um, and I think it just came down to just situationally. You know, that's those flags in the end of the game where it was, you know, like uh, for uh, regardless, it was, there were I think there were still ways where Kansas City could have, you know, uh, stopped them on that fourth and goal, and then it's Kansas City ball with like 50 seconds. But regardless, uh, I think you just know more about the Bills and you've played them obviously a lot more than this, you know, in this season in the two games that you split with them. For me, that's why it would be the easiest because I think you know more enough about them right now. But I still think you could scheme it well to play against Kansas City. I do. You haven't seen them since week four last year. Okay. We have to talk about the elephant in the room. I don't even know how to really bring it up. Did you guys happen to catch any of the Buccaneers-Jets game yesterday? Flipping back and forth. Because it was on simultaneously with the Patriots. Why? What happened? It would have been even more difficult with you. Did something happen? This is like the perfect time to put in an audio clip. Mike, what happened? <laughs> anything cool happened yesterday? Can't uh, I can't seem to think of anything that would have happened in that game. Is Antonio- they almost lost? Is is Antonio Brown finally done with the NFL? Yep. Yes. Yes. Did you guys pick your favorite meme? Yep, I have mine. Can we share those? <laughs> There were some doozies. There were some good ones. Had a, well, Twitter had a we'll, field day with that. We'll have to, yeah. We'll post it on the uh, on the moving the goalpost social media because I have, I do have mine. I saved it. Yeah, we got to credit the pages. Oh man, good stuff. <laughs> I mean, Oof. I'm not surprised. I was a little shocked to find out that it had happened. The only thing that was going through my head though was. What is Tom Brady thinking of this? Like, is he embarrassed because he allowed it to happen? Or is he still such like a hypermaniac focused on winning that it's like in one ear, out the other, and he's already moved on? I think it's that. I think it's the second. Isn't that kind of disgusting? It is. But again, like, like that's why I don't buy into like him saying like, "Oh, we could have compassion for him and hope that he gets the help that he needs." You're Tom freaking Brady, and he's won a Super Bowl with you. How do you not get him that help? Same thing right. with Josh Gordon. Now, like, I, I mean, I'm high. I don't want to say I'm okay with what Gordon. I, I don't put what Gordon's issues are up with Antonio Brown's. One can't stop smoking weed. One, quite literally, is insane. But right, it's again, like, no, like. I don't get how you don't get him that help. It pisses me off that this guy has a Super Bowl ring. It just, it does. It, like, it bothers me that he has a Super Bowl ring. Antonio Brown. You, you, egg on your face. You get what you deserve when you sign him. Hope the seventh ring was worth, was worth it. I still think you would have been able to do with it without Antonio Brown, but. Uh, I don't know. Egg on your face. He caught super, he caught passes. Touchdown in catch one touchdown in the Super Bowl. No, you take it or what you, you take that one away, and then it's what twenty-seven to three Gronkowski instead of thirty, whatever. Touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, I think you're still winning the Super Bowl without Antonio Brown. But yeah, it's it is it's kind of 
as much of a good guy as Tom Brady is, that's a bad rap. It's a bad look. It is. Mike, any any takes on Antonio Brown? I do think it reflects poorly on Brady that he continues to to stand for and and uh, like be best friends and, and say all this stuff about Antonio Brown when it is very clear that he is dealing with things that are making it hard for everybody else. Um, and <laughs> that is the most politically correct way I can put that, I feel like. Uh, but they're just like, I think I think Pete Davidson on SNL, didn't he say uh, that uh, mental no. illness isn't, isn't an excuse to be an asshole? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's when he just, was talking about Kanye West. Right. He was like, um, Kanye's off the meds. Kanye, listen, take them. Trust me. They're great. <laughs> I'm on them. They're awesome. Right. Like he, he clearly needs some sort of help. And we had talked before we started. I think Rappaport's video this morning made it a little bit more understandable, but not the way he did it. Like from, from what Rappaport said this morning, Bruce Arians on the sideline told him that he was no longer a buck. So he left the game. You don't need to go throw everything out into the stands and run into the end zone while play is a, a play is going on, um, and, and then run out and continue to do all these different things on social media. He put out a song yesterday, um, and ultimately, that's that's one of the conspiracy theories that this was all like a publicity stunt so that he could promote his album. Pit, not the palace. Loved it. It's like the song. It's like when I tried uh, to listen to it, it was garbage. It's like fantastic. For all you you mean, it's garbage. It sounds like all the good stuff that's out now. For all you trailer park enthusiasts, it's like when J Rock, you know, he's got to get arrested and take pictures for the album. You got to go to jail for a little bit, but you got to take pictures for the album when you get thrown out of the game. (laughs) It was very J Rock esque. That's a good. That's a good. Good way of putting it. But that's like that's how planned it was. That friggin' intro, like, hey man. Been waiting for it. You know, I've had this in my back pocket for like a year, man. Like, here it is and now. He, like the the Super Gremlin tweet that he sent out yeah. afterwards where he's like, had somebody take like a professional picture of himself waiting outside that life stadium. To, and then he gets picked up by like an Uber driver and they yeah. start going on like Instagram live. This, the whole story is the most bizarre, unbelievable situation that, you really you don't believe but you do because of who it is if yeah. i had told you two years ago that this was going to happen pre-pandemic if i had said that this is going to be something that would happen to a professional football player you would have said oh yeah antonio brown brooks kepka said that he was going to fight a paul brother by the end of 2022 i would have put that my favorite it. that's my that's my favorite take no, my, my favorite has to be OJ, who called him yes. out on Twitter yes. and said that what he was doing is inexcusable. <laughs> <laughs> if, yeah, if, if OJ Simpson is going on social media and saying that you're doing something wrong, <laughs> might not be the best. And isn't this the second time that he's called Antonio Brown out? Or no, 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 no. It was when he drafted Antonio Brown for fantasy football. That was the year that he left the Raiders. And it was also the same year that he drafted Andrew Luck to be his quarterback and Andrew Luck retired. And he was like, my team's falling apart. Man. <laughs> it's like, o- OJ being a fantasy expert and analyst on Twitter is one of my, 
one of the funnier turnarounds uh, maybe in history. Also, yeah. Antonio Brown might want to watch out for OJ. Yeah. I did see uh, or someone. Or vice versa. Who knows? Yeah. Right. I did see someone compare, like, oh, who's the bigger diva, Antonio Brown or T.O.? And it's like, okay, well, T.O., you can deal with. T.O. would never pull an Antonio Brown. T.O. just wanted Brown. to win. Yeah. But he would never he pull. He would never pull what Antonio Brown pulled yesterday. That's like. But AB AB was fine before the perfect hit. I saw like, that if yesterday. Really, if, we're, if, <laughs> if we're really being honest, he was a normal person until he got hit by Vontez Perfect. It's the CTE. It's like yeah. one of those cartoons where he just needs to be kicked by a donkey one time, and he'll be completely fine again. <laughs> what What's her name from Christmas Vacation? Yeah, kick that mule. As go cross that. Gets hit by a donkey, they go back normal. <laughs> what's the uh what's the SpongeBob episode where Squidward gets whacked? Oh, that's no, that's actually benefited Squidward Squidward. He got hit with the door and he becomes handsome Squidward. Yeah, handsome, and then handsome Squidward. at the end, SpongeBob just keeps beating the hell out of him with the door and he keeps getting more handsome. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it I saw a tweet, I forget who it's from, but I'll paraphrase it. It was you know, the biggest thing with Brady leaving New England and, you know, the rumors were that, you know, he wanted more input and, uh, you know, he wanted more input on who, you know, to bring in for receivers and talent for the offense. Maybe that wasn't such a good idea to begin with. <laughs> like, it's 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 true. You guys ever see Juana, man? Oh, yeah. That's I, immediately thought of that. I, <laughs> I believe that Juana, man, is the solution to all of our world's problems, actually. Lots, tons and tons and tons of barriers are crossed in that movie. They are. Maybe not always in the most appropriate of ways, but at the end of the day, there is unification. <laughs> don't they give him a ring at the end of that movie? I think so, yeah. I don't think you can get away with making a movie like that nowadays. That was like I wrote a blog early 2000. It. Did you really? Two years ago. Oh, yeah. It's a good movie. Let me see if I can find it. It is a good movie. Um... The the funniest meme that I saw yesterday was from NFL memes, and it was just a picture, just a picture of Antonio Brown. Nothing from yesterday, just a picture of him in a Bucks uniform. And the quote was, "Remember, kids, every day is a half day if you just effing leave." Which is just like, come on, it's that's true. It's it's like uh, the floor is the world's biggest shelf. That was a big one for me. Knowledge. What does Ryan say in the office? I. Uh, I learned more from Dr. Seuss than Dr. Freud. I don't know. Just use one of those, whatever. Therapists. Oh, you don't man. have to. Earth. You don't have to be crazy to live here, but it helps. <laughs> Do we want a quick Bruin thought? Yes. Bruins are back. Kind of. Actually, it's like back, back now. They're, they're going to be playing hockey, I think, every other day for the next, hopefully, five months. Uh... Looks like Rask is going to be coming back. Shocker. Anybody else surprised? Are you really that shocked? I'm no. not. But I am. I, I. So I was of the belief that the best thing to do with him would have been to have him play in the Olympics to get him ready. Now it seems like what they're going to do is put him down in Providence to have him get some, some minor league action before uh, putting him into an NHL game. I think that's the right move to make. I think that your goaltending has been decent of late. Um, regardless of the number of games that you've played. And it was nice to see over the weekend, yes, it's Buffalo, yes, it's Detroit, but you put some pucks in the back of the net and it wasn't just the Bergeron line. 
Yeah, I mean, that, it kind of sucks that we're sending. It's that's the the big question now is, who do you send out of Providence when Rask comes back? Because Swayman plays his best when Rask is around, you could argue, and now you're sending a thirty million dollar goaltender to go play AHL. Yeah, and and Cassidy has come out and said that that's a question for Sweeney. So good for him for passing the bill off to the person that's actually responsible for answering the question. Uh, I think you you do Swayman though. Like Swayman's got to see as much ice time as possible. If he was going to be splitting an eighty game season with Linus Allmark and only getting forty starts, it's it's a it's a decent number. But I'd like to see him get more of like the high 50s to 60s in in ice time for games um i don't really have a lot of hopes up for this team though i don't think they're going to make any moves that's going to improve the team i don't think that their depth scoring is going to last very long i think you still have a lot of the same problems that you did two weeks ago when the season went into a pause uh even when they're on they're hard to watch yeah they are. I, I didn't watch either of those games. I had other things going on, but yeah, it's it's not a product that I look forward to turning on. If I were Cam Neely, I can't say if I were Don Sweeney because I don't think Don Sweeney makes this move without Cam Neely. I go to Sweeney and I say, you have to do something. This team cannot look the same as it does now. We are probably not going to have our jobs next year if things continue to go the way that they are. So I'm going to do whatever I can to keep my job. You can either buy in with the plan or you can get lost and I'll make up my my mind on my own. I don't think they'll do that, but that's where I am with this team right now. Someone's got to take charge and be like this. Not that you have to blow it up, but you need to make moves. Get rid of DeBrusque. I wouldn't have a problem if they got rid of Brandon Carlo. I wouldn't have a problem if they tried to move on from Linus Allmark. There, there are pieces that you want to hold on to because they're good players, but they're actually keeping you from becoming a better team because they're holding up spots for cheaper players or guys that you want to develop. It's complicated. You get There's old no too. one right answer, but... That I, I would not have a problem with them being sellers at the deadline. Yeah, you're getting old, too. Like, I think I wouldn't be surprised if this is Bergeron's uh, last year. Wouldn't shock and that me. Would be, it would be such a shame oh, for yeah. him to have yeah, to go would. out like that. Yeah. Especially especially for only wearing the C for two years. Yeah. And that's our Bruins thought. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. They've only played two games in two weeks. Yeah. The Islanders, yeah. by the way, will have played three games in a total of 25 days. Bring back Chara. No, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Gentlemen, I think that's going to do it for another episode of Moving the Goalposts. As always, we want to make sure that you folks are following along. But before we end the episode, does anybody have a final blow? I have one. Book of Boba Fett. Not bad. That was going to be my Episode final. One. That was going to be my final blow. Was to end not on a yeah. sports note. Um, yeah, not not as hyped up as I really. I I, I don't know. It, it's okay. It's I it's, I like how they're changing time. How they're going back and forth to tell the story. That and that's all I'll say. 
don't want to spoil it for Masala. Yeah. No, it's cool. It's cool that they're showing how he is, you know, how, the story of how he came. Ah, la, 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 la. Well, it, no, it's no. Ah, la, 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 la. What am I spoiling? You know he friggin' lives. Like, they're maybe it's all a dream. Doesn't that happen a lot? And like, but it's just isn't that what Lost was all about? You know, did he want like? Was he just like, hey, I was kind of sick of the makeup I was wearing in the Mandalorian. So can my back to tank just randomly make me look okay? Because then it should have done that for Vader. Because they both look the same. Just, just they, uh, Hollywood magic. Hollywood magic. It is indeed. No final blow. No final blow. My my anime is coming back next week. That's what I'm excited about. Oh, uh, is that Attack on Titan? Yeah. Hell yeah. You should give it a shot. If if I can give Star Wars a shot, you can give that. It, crazy story. Just a great story. And it's like action. It's not like a no. Yeah, I know. I've like seen a goofy it. thing. I've seen it in like I've seen the actual like manga before. I just I have a difficult time getting into Japanese animation. Mm-hmm. I get that. Like Pokemon, I couldn't really get into. Uh, what else is there? Uh, some some Yu Gi Oh. Uh, Yu Gi Oh. I tried to. I wanted to, because that's what the cool kids were into. Hell yeah, it was. I don't know. That's episode seventy of moving the goalposts, though. A uh, uh, Logan Mankin seventy took mine. Me a son of a uh, bitch. Ryan Brazier was Ryan Brazier seventy. I believe so. Me and I have another one in case you need it. Oh, do I'll oh just... do say it, please. Adam Butler seventy. Adam That's Butler what I was thinking about. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. Adam Butler, a now Miami Dolphin. Adam Butler. Mm-hmm. We don't want to end on that though. A Logan Mankins, 70. Yep, just in case you didn't hear me the first time. <laughs> I'm such a dick. Not- Everything that you do for this, you don't deserve this. I'm sorry. It's all right. Uh, it's okay. Number 70, a Malcolm Subban, 70. I guess you're Durant, 70. You're backup, a backup guard. <laughs> he is 70, isn't he? Yeah, I had to think about it for a second. I thought they had, they had someone a little bit more known this year that wore 70, but I guess not. What about like a Marshall Yonda 70? Maybe he was 73? 73 sounds right for that one. Mm, yeah. A Luigi de Tome 70 for the Celtics? Big fan of Luigi? Gigi? <laughs> that was what they actually called him, though, wasn't it? Gigi de mm-hmm. Tome? Yeah, yeah, Gigi de Tome. Unlike Ante Zizic, or as some people like to refer to Zizi. him as, Gigi. <laughs> now that we're now that we're in the seventies, we should have a field day, easy day with Patriots. I know. Easy. That's why I'm a little surprised we could only come up with Mankins, Butler, and Yasir Durant. Yasir Durant. Well, no, but I'm talking One about of those like things. It's not like the other. In like the span of like from seventy to eighty, and then once we get to eighty, forget it, it's game over. That's you know that's just a cakewalk. No, I thought this was going to be a cakewalk, and it's not. But it's episode seventy of moving the goalposts. As always, we want to make sure that you folks are following along throughout the week. You can catch me on Twitter at Nick Mara ninety four. Mike is available at Mike underscore Masala. Producer extraordinaire Andrew Meehan. You can catch him. Follow him. At me and a underscore 83. Mike, till next time. Later, brother.
Peace.